Hello, and here we are at the March 8th, 2018 edition of the Science Fiction Club. And this month we're doing a little bit of a different format. Actually, it's a blending of the two formats that we've been using. The one that we actually used for most of our history was the bring a single book to discuss format. And we would all read it or attempt to read it. And the other format that we've been using more recently is the Everybody bring their own book format, which has been uh, equally successful, at least. Maybe slightly more so. It's hard to say. But um, this week, or this month, we're going to blend those formats because uh, some people still want to bring their own book, and we're going to start with them. And then, um, I think for most of the meeting, we're going to talk about The Demis by Ann K. Parsons, which several of us have read. So, those who want to bring a book to talk about, we'll talk about it. And then when everyone is done with non-demi books, we'll start with that. So, we'll see how this goes. Okay, well, I'll start first because mine's really, really quick. I read The Visitors by Simak and loved it. And it's a book that I can tell you the ending because there's really no ending that you could make a, a definite conclusion of the end of the book. Um, basically, I'll just tell you, there are aliens that come in to the atmosphere and land on Earth, and this is in 1970s in uh, the Midwest and in Washington, D.C. It's in a 1970s politics, and it's a small town in the Midwest where the aliens first show up. And they come in a, the form of boxes, huge boxes, and they start by eating a lot of the trees in the forests, and then they try to assimilate into our culture by, first of all, becoming smaller boxes as they procreate and have little aliens, and then they become flying cars, and the people in Washington get scared because they think, what about the audio indus auto industry and the cars, and what's that going to do to all the car companies, and blah, blah, blah. And then they appear near the end as houses. And the thing that really freaks people out at the very end is this one newspaper man thinks that he sees the shadow of a person in one of the alien houses. And, of course... They don't want that to, the newspapers don't want that to get out, so they delete that paragraph from the guy's um, news story. But the Washington, D.C. people don't know what to make of it. They say the housing industry is going to die because of these aliens, and the forests are dying because they're eating all of them, and blah, blah, blah. And that's pretty much how it ends. There's really no definite ending to the book although Martin might be able to remember it, but I, the way I read it, there wasn't much of an ending. So that's my book for this month. You know, someone discussed this book, that book before a while back because the, the, the description that you're giving me stuck in my mind. Uh, I don't know, I don't know who, it, who did it, but it was, Marshall. it was mentioned before. That was Marshall that did that. Go ahead. I don't know how the... The publisher let them get away with a book like that. I just think that's lazy when they stop in an arbitrary place. Was it Marshall who read The Visitors? I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Because I remember it was discussed last month. I'm fairly sure of that. Although memory doesn't always serve. <laughs> doesn't serve me sometimes. 
it was me. And an author can pretty well stop the book wherever he wishes. Uh, you know, he just didn't want it, want to proceed. He wanted to leave it indefinite. Uh, I don't think he ever intended to write a sequel or anything. Well, it does make it kind of fun because you can start your imagination going and uh, make up all kinds of endings for a book like that. But I do agree it is kind of weird to just leave it up in the air like that. But, well, that's what Simak wanted to do. Well, I'm in the process of rereading for about the fourth time, third or fourth time the Sector General books because I haven't been able to find anything that particularly grabbed me in science fiction. I did read the, I think it was the book Anne reviewed last month, uh, whose name I can't remember. It was a, the name of a, of a girl, uh, and I can't remember her name. But I really enjoyed the Sector General books, so I just decided to reread them. And basically, it's a series of books written back in the 50s and 60s by a guy named James White. They take place in a multi-environment hospital orbiting the edge of the galaxy. And they have several different types of aliens and it concerns the adventures of this, mostly of this one doctor who has to treat aliens with all kinds of diseases like oh one of them is a a gestalt alien that eats hard radiation and he has to cure the patients uh, then he has one that can change shape that he has to chase and scare it to death so it, it will wake up its parent and then the parent will talk to the child and straighten out the problems of the both of them. And there are a number of others, but they're just, you know, I, I don't know why I like them. But I do, and I don't really find books I like anymore in science fiction, or fantasy, or mystery. Well, as you know, I adore those Sector General books. I'm going to read them forever and ever. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that again, because I think we read the very first one in the series uh, with the club a couple of years ago, but m some people may not know about the variety of these books in the set. There's a lot of books and there's a lot of stories within the books. Well, most of them have two or three stories, but, you know, it's just, it's incredibly original and James White was um, writing books up until the 1990s when he died, unfortunately, but he had a lot of imagination. He was from Ireland. He was a pacifist and uh, quite an interesting person. Yeah, I remember we read that book a while back and it had to do with the, the Galaxy Hospital and all the different aliens that were were there to be treated. can't remember the name, but I, I, it did stick in my mind to some degree. Yeah, we did. It was the first in a three book. It was They were all together in one collection, and there was an introduction by somebody. I can't remember who it was. Um, 
I want to say Brian Stableford, but uh, I'm not positive, but I think it was him who wrote an introduction that was kind of uh, interesting also. And we did the first book, and I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but, uh, yeah, they are, they are fun. I believe, are we done with uh, other books then? Is there anyone else who has a book they want to talk about other than the Demis? before we start, because it sounds like we might be, but um, I'm not sure. Well, I guess we should start talking about the Demis. Okay, I'm probably going to bail out, and I'll just say thank you for another meeting, and I will talk to you next month. Sorry to see you go. Bye for now. Mary, you're not going to give me your opinion of the book, or you didn't read it? The Demis? Well, I guess she left. Well, if you want, I'll start off. Um, I... It was very. It was a very interesting book. A very unusual concept of, of, of having these little twelve-inch people. There were a lot of things that I liked about it. I like. I like that the Scottish accent, and I don't know how you you learn to reproduce that Scottish accent uh, accent with them. Also, the Spanish was interesting because I speak Spanish, so it was interesting how you were able to include Spanish phrases. I like the idea of that computer, um, how intelligent it was, uh, they, that, that, you know, was all there to help them. Um, I also found it very interesting in the, um, the two episodes, the two episodes, the one in the beginning, you know, when they were making the escape from the doctor and, 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 and how the doctor, you know, was such an evil person and all that they went through to get out and to get to the highlands. And the second part, when the, the, the interaction with the Lopez family and their problems and wanting to, wanting to be um, independent, uh, I found the middle part a little bit slow when you, did, when you talked about the everyday happenings. It seemed to me that perhaps the book could have been somewhat shortened, shortened and removed some of that, but... But in general, I thought it was quite witty and quite a, quite a good book. Well, thanks very much, uh, Martin. I will explain about the different languages, or, well, the Scottish dialect and the, uh, the Spanish. The dialect, the Scottish dialect, I just got from reading too many British novels, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I got that from that, and... Uh, the Spanish, now, I do not speak Spanish, okay? I mean, I can say hello and goodbye and maybe order something in a restaurant, maybe. Uh, but, you know, I mean, that's about the size of it. But I was very fortunate to have a fantastic editor who, um, now you've probably heard of these people, um, the Dvorkins in uh, um, in Denver, and they edit and um, produce your book. Well, I guess that's the right word. What they do is they do all the web work and everything to put your book up on Amazon and uh, Smashwords and so forth. And um, I was fortunate that uh, Leonor, who uh, does most of the editing, happens to be a, uh, a language teacher, and she does speak Spanish.
So she corrected all my very lame uh, <laughs> misspellings and uh, wrong vocabulary and everything so that by the time you saw it, it was it was uh, pristine clean and uh, the Spanish was all correct. And, um, you know, so I, and I did gain a little knowledge along the way about vocabulary and how to how to say certain things but uh, um, you know so uh, that's how that happened to happen to work out I think I saw one very tiny mistake in Spanish when you put the word to for you I think they spelled a to instead of tu which which it should have been no it's tu at least that's what I remember from my Spanish, junior high school Spanish. No, it is to you, but in the book it was, they spell it, if I remember correctly, T-O, like the way it sounds at two in English. Oh, dear. Well, <laughs> you got to have one or two typos, uh, you know, because nobody's perfect, only God. So, <laughs> if there's just one typo in 400 and some pages, that's pretty darn good. And that word, the, 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 the word you use, burn, I guess that's a Scottish word for what, for children or for an endearing term? Oh, barons, barons. Uh, barons are children. Um, I guess those that are born are barons. Uh, but they're, yeah, that's the word for children um, of either sex. Uh, mostly referring to uh, children as opposed to teens or adults. So, yes, those are children. Either I am still having software problems or everyone is taking long pauses in the middle of what they have to say. But anyway, I really don't have much more to say about the book that I've already said in my Goodreads um, uh, review, but I can say that again, which is that um, first I did like the book. It was entertaining, entertaining and held my attention throughout. And when it comes to self-published and vanity pub publisher books, there are a lot of them that are really bad. The advantage to the author of going that route is that you can get anything published, and I mean anything, and some of them, the um, narrative and the dialogue are so stilted that it's almost unreadable. That was not the case in this one. The narrative, the dialogue, and most other things that make up a good book, the plotting, the production, and all of that was at least as good as most major publisher novels. So I have that much praise for it, and that's why I gave it a four-star rating at Goodreads. And, but I tried to put myself in the place of a of an editor for a major publisher, and I would say I would probably have accepted it for publication, but that isn't to say that I wouldn't have sent back for some revision. One revision is that rape scene, which I don't think is all that credible, because if you feel disgusted and repelled by the act that you're doing, that is not compatible 
with sexual arousal and therefore I don't think it could be accomplished. If I was the editor of a major publisher, I think I would have sent it back and um, suggested that, that be rewritten as kind of a forced pairing similar to a, an arranged marriage because that would have gotten across the same effect. It would have deprived the characters of their um, personal autonomy. It would have shown that they were oppressed. And besides that, there are cultures in which, which do have arranged marriages and the two people who are to be married meet each other for the first time at the wedding ceremony and they enter the marriage as complete strangers and yet they do claim to come to love each other and that would have made it more credible considering the fact that the two characters in question in this book do enter a romantic relationship. Um, other criticisms, I think that once they escape from Dr. I forget his name, Jude Lude, something like that, and find themselves... Can anyone hear me? I locked the key for a moment. Yes, yes, we hear you. Um, we haven't. Unfortunately, we lost everything that Roger said after uh, he said after they escaped from Dr. Ludd, whose name he, he said he wasn't sure what the name was. Um, Almost immediately, things went silent. Uh, I mean, it's a tragedy because we really wanted to hear it. <laughs> we did. Yeah, Lissy too. Well, unless you want me to repeat it, like I said, I didn't really say much more than what I have in my Goodreads review, so you could look there, but if you want me to repeat it, I will. And also, like I said, I don't know if I'm having software problems again or if the whole thing is having software problems because every time somebody says something there seems to be long pauses that I don't catch. Yeah, I know. We have some of that. What happens is you get a pause and then of course you get you lose part of what it came afterwards because the buffer uh is um lost. The the information is lost and it didn't get transferred and then of course you lose part of the speech that comes after because it has to catch up with what's going on currently. It's uh very unfortunate. Um, okay, well, sweetie, do you want to? We read it. Uh, we read it separately, though, because she proofread it, um, and I read it on uh, Voice Dream Reader for Bookshare with the James Neo Speech James voice, which I can understand why it's so popular. It's a really good speech. It's not human narration, but it's one of the closest we've got so far. Um, we read it. Um, do you want to talk first, sweetie? I um, I have mixed feelings about it. There are things I liked. Uh, there are some things that um, I, I didn't. Um, I thought the book got better after Dr. Ludd died. I, I enjoyed, I got some satisfaction out of him um, being uh, caught so to speak, and you know, when he saw the DV the video on the news about the Demis after they'd made their escape, I I thought some of the language is a little over the top. Though I couldn't help laughing out loud when uh, when uh, um, he sputtered like a Fourth of July sparkler. I just could not get over that line. Um, but um, 
in general, it was it was uh, good that I, I thought he was a bit too um, one-dimensional as a villain. He he kind of was hard to believe that he was that you know bad altogether bad. I mean, um, and there was another little thing. It's minor, but it it kind of detracts from the verisimilitude a little bit. The the ho ho hos when Doctor when Ralph picks up uh, Alex for the first time. He says it like five or six times, and it just seems to not fit. It just seems to be a little over the top. But after that, um, and there was a lot of thought put into how, uh, you know, I thought the book got better. Um, I agree with Martin. Hmm? It slowed down a little bit, but um, it was there was a lot of thought put into how things were going to be organized and how they, you know, set things up and how they lived, you know, and how they how they managed to put, you know, the um, their organized all their activities and what they needed and all you know the gifts they got and how they and the, the descriptions of the complex where they lived, you know, and how things were built and or you know and where everything was. And then, you know, they find the Demis in the, you know, that Mexican lab, and they bring them in. Um, you know, that was all, you know, very well done. Um, I think that, um, I think that Alex put um, that little girl, uh, I think he, he started in a little bit too soon. I mean, it was the only day, the only, it was only the day after she got there that, you know, she she tried to prevent that other little girl from reading, and he really came down on her, even though, you know, it wasn't really a punishment, but, you know, everybody thought it was kind of cute. But, I mean, they had no time to adjust, really, at all. But she didn't know it was, it you know, that it wasn't cute, you know. So, um, but one major, more major problem I have is that it doesn't really feel like the future very much. Um, it's 2050, but, you know, there's still DVDs, and, you know, we even have thumb drives, and um, Jeeves is a little intelligent, but Alexa is almost there. Um, she's going to be there in a year or two at the rate, you know, or, or Google Home or one of them. 2050, things are going to be far more advanced, and I don't expect authors to, you know, describe an entire society, though some certainly try, um, but I was hoping for a bit more futurism in the future than than we got. Um, I thought some of the scenes were very moving, you know, with Vera at the very end, that was a great way to end it. You know, though there is room for a sequel, I sort of saw that, and I I know Anne said she was thinking of writing one. Um, that was very moving, you know, when they found her, and you know, and she met uh, Allie, I think it is. I can't. I'm starting to forget the names already. I am getting older. Anyway, um, but so it was. It's a mixed review. There were some really good things about it. Um, I thought the villain was a little too one-dimensional, but uh, but it was fun to see his downfall. I can't admit I got some satisfaction out of that, though I would like to have seen him taken away rather than you know die. But I've said that in reviews before. It's just I like to see people you know 
kind of face some earthly justice. You know, it's satisfying. But nevertheless, it was still it was still fun. So, sweetie, do you want to talk about it? Um, I like sci- I like social science fiction, and I categorize the Dimmies as social science fiction, and it really lived up to my expectations of that genre. And um, I love the theme of human rights, although when it comes to science fiction, the word human might even be replaced with something else. It it made me think also of lab animals and how they're treated and you know, I guess where do you draw the line? The dimmies were definitely sentient and lab animals aren't, but um, I still thought about their fate. I loved the fact that, um, and that you made such extreme efforts to explain how the existence of di- the dimmies were financed. You know, what a huge, um, in, well, I I'm laughing because we think in even you know bigger figures, but it is an investment to um, to start a little a, a population and then support it. And I just like the way some of the money came from the government. Maybe some came from contributions from fans, and and the Demi's themselves made an effort to contribute to their own um, livelihood. I liked watching the community grow and I felt that one of the possibilities for a sequel was for them in the future to go in search of other communities of Demi's that you know that they had a they had a strong conviction that there were other communities and so a search that isn't totally subsidized and totally comfortable I mean the I could think of a rebel or two among them who would who would strike out on their own without all the trappings of the everything being provided in a safe environment with the right size of things it would have been interesting to see them in the world this was also an example of a book with many characters instead of you know a couple of main characters on a journey. It was very much um, you you very much tried to show the input of all the the members of the families, and then when new demis were discovered, how they had to blend and compromise and recognize the needs of, you know, they'd get things just right, maybe, and then when a new group of Demis were found, then there's a new dynamic that has to form, and you did a really great job of showing how they had to kind of feel their way along and see how to incorporate the new Demis into their, like, little Mm -hmm. well-run empire. So... I, I could talk about it a long time, but I really admire um, your tenacity to start a novel and not deviate. You you never lost your way, and um, 
I'm just so glad to have read it, and I'd like to see, I hope we get to see more of the Demis. Okay. Well, as for that comment about um, Alexa is soon to catch up with Jeeves, actually, as I recall, if I recall, this took place in the year 2050, and that's not really all that far off. But as I was reading it, every time I heard the name Jeeves, I found myself thinking, that's Alexa, damn it, that's Alexa. Yeah, but 30 years in, in terms of how fast computers are advancing is a long, long way off. Well, that may be true. Um, let me just comment, if I may, on some of these things that you guys are saying. And I really, really do appreciate all the things you're saying, the good things and the bad, because... You know, if you only hear compliments, that's fine, uh, but it doesn't help you. You know, it doesn't it doesn't help you to improve as an author. And since this is my first effort, albeit uh, that I've been writing this book since uh, about the the late seventies or so, um, and I know because you guys will understand this. It started out on a Perkins Brailler and, you know, braille paper and a notebook and, you know, putting in the sheets and, and writing, uh, you know, hard copy braille. And it started out that way. And then it migrated to uh, Ludwig my first computer, Ludwig. I liked Ludwig. Ludwig was an 8088. It was a uh, Zenith 151. And he had, if you'll believe this, he had a 10 megabyte hard drive. And I thought that was the absolute best in technology. I mean, it was so wonderful. <laughs> So, and it's had several season changes since then, but um, which is why poor David Dvorkin, who um, does most of the formatting work uh, with books, had to do so much formatting because there were short lines and there were long lines and there were, you know, uh, paragraphs that weren't together and, you know, it, it was probably you know, a real bear to format because it had migrated from so many different computers um, or migrated through so many different computers and word processors and so forth. But as far as Dr. Ludd being um, a flat character, yeah, I know, he was. But I wanted to show the face of evil and... I that was my intent and I did not want to make him well I really didn't want to make him human meaning that he would have more than one side to him I I didn't want to do that I wanted to show the face of evil and so that's why he was so flat and um but it's a good comment you know, and and worth talking about. Um, as far as 
you know, the the making him uh, die. I felt um, that, you know, getting rid of him was probably the best idea because then, then, you know, um, I wouldn't have to deal with him afterward. If he were in prison, he'd be writing letters and he'd be, um, you know, making protests and he'd be, you know, uh, suing people and all sorts of stuff. And I just didn't want to deal with all that. I just, uh, I thought about it. I really did. I thought about it and I thought, no, I think it's best to just, uh, you know, write a finis here. And uh, get him out of the way. Uh, although his, the effects of his uh, behavior linger long. And so, um, but as far as um, sequels, yes, uh, they are written. Um, whether they will ever get published, I don't know. That depends on whether I... All of a sudden, get the publisher's clearinghouse uh, <laughs> prize, which I probably won't. But you never can tell. Um, so uh, you know. But I really did enjoy getting this published, and I did it because I didn't do it to make money. I did it because I wanted to tell a good story. And that really, I, I hope, is the reason why most authors write what they write. Because they want to tell a darn good story. And, um, you know, yes, it has flaws. But then, anything that is uh, created by man has flaws. I mean, <laughs> the, uh, the Japanese are very good about... Um, this concept, in fact, uh, I have heard that uh, Japanese potters will uh, create a little nick or a little um, funny spot in the glaze or something so that um, the pot isn't perfect because they know that nothing's perfect, only God. And I think that's kind of a neat thing. So, anyway, but thank you all for your comments. I really, really do appreciate them. Yeah, the Mennonite quilters, Lissy says, do that same kind of thing, adding a small defect in their uh, quilts. But as far as Dr. Ludd goes, that's fair enough. I, I know, I, I think that's why Douglas Preston had his evil character shot instead of having him carted off and facing trial in his book, which we reviewed for the club, which I can't remember the name of. Um, but uh, And I wasn't happy with that either, but that's the author's choice. That's not a flaw. I don't think that's a flaw in the book. I kind of recognize that as my own personal preference. That's uh, that's kind of a different issue than uh, what I think is an actual flaw in the book. Um, so I just threw that in there. But, but um, I thought another moving notice or a note was Ralph's conversion um, you, you you gave his history and it wasn't you know he, he wasn't a noble character he wasn't a great you know his history wasn't you know indicated that he wasn't a 
But he finally, you know, had a turning point and rose to the occasion and took risks, you know, for the benefits of, you know, people that were complete strangers to him until he decided to get to know them. And that was a that was a really good part of the book. Him and he and his wife, of course, you know, who wasn't any, you know, who wasn't any, a noble character either, really. But she was a little more, you know, he kind of caught up to her in some ways. You know, you could tell there were little passages that indicated that she was ahead of him in the in the conversion, so to speak. Um, so that was a, a very um, a good part. Tweety, anything else before we close up? Okay. Nothing. Um, interesting little thing here. Dr. Ludd, I have no idea how you spell that. Well, now that I hear the correct poetic voice I was using, Bookshare's synthetic voice pronounced it lewd. And because of that, Dr. Lewd, I kept picturing him as some kind of a leering sex maniac. Well, you actually, yeah, James, Neospeech James on my voice dream did say Ludd. Uh, but it, Lude fits, though. Yeah. I mean, Lude fits his character. I mean, what do you? What did he do to these people? You know, so it works, really. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical! <laughs> it's Lud, L-U-D. Um, I was thinking of a name that would sound just sort of like a thud, just like, bleh, you know, like it wouldn't. That would that would sound bad or ugly, uh, Lud, and um, you know it, uh, that's why I called him that. I think, um, but yeah, it's L U D, uh, Lima Uniform Delta, not Lima Uniform Delta Echo. <laughs> but I do think that's funny. I thought, and I, it would have been L-U-D-D, if, if you had spelled it that way, that probably his speech would have pronounced it correctly, because L-U-D is, by the rules of English spelling, is lewd. Um, but my voice did pronounce it correctly. And you have mud and dud. That Lud the dud, yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Harcourt Fenton Mud. You... So and so, how could you be so? Yeah, Harcourt Fenton Mud. Anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I I should have put two D's. You're right. I should have. Um, hmm. Well, if there's ever a second edition, I'll make that correction. You're right. There should be two D's. Actually, I might be wrong because mud is M U D and and thud is T H U D. So maybe I'm wrong about this. What do you think, sweetie? <laughs> She's just laughing at me. I think the lud, after whom the luddites were named, the ones of the anti-technology people who were called luddites. I think that lud did split with one D. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't realize a luddite was actually named after somebody named Ludd. But it figures, yeah. Um, right. Anywho, um, well, as I say, I want to thank everybody for their their views and uh, their help in, in helping me to improve. And uh, what else can I say except uh, thank you and, uh, you know, publish it around. 
you know, if you like it, tell people. Well, I guess we'll close up for this evening. Um, our next, sorry, sweetie. Our next meeting is going to be on Thursday, April 12th. So we have five weeks till our next meeting. And the clocks will be sprung forward by then. So I will make sure when I put out the newswire to uh, adjust the UTC accordingly. Not that anyone else, not that anyone actually needs it because nobody from any other country comes. But I'll put it in anyway, just in case. And we so have a new puppy named We have a Poppet. new puppy named Poppet, which is British for... Uh, an endearment for toddler, uh, for a toddler, or a Boy young girl, or young girl, Poppet. Her name's Poppet. She's ten weeks and two days old. So we are enjoying our new puppy, Poppet. <laughs> so, all right, our next meeting on April twelfth, two thousand eighteen, and hope to see you all then.